Amen. I'd ask you to turn with me this evening in your Bible to 1 Samuel and to the chapter 23. 1 Samuel and to the chapter 23. We're coming this evening to an episode in the life of David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, David is being pursued by King Saul. And David is fleeing really from place to place. And through 1 Samuel chapter 23, you'll find that he's in a place called Keilah. And then he moves from there to a place called Ziph. And from there to Maon. And from there at the end of the chapter through to in Gedi. And so we're going to break into the middle of the chapter at verse 13. 1 Samuel chapter 23 and the verse 13. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbear to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds, and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, And that also Saul my father knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord. And David abode in the wood. And Jonathan went to his house. Then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah saying. Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood. In the hill of Hykelah which is on the south of Jeshimon. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. Go, I pray you, prepare yet and know and see his place where his haunt is. And who hath seen him there? For it is told me that he dealeth very subtly. See therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself. And come ye again to me with the certainty, and I will go with you. And it shall come to pass, if he be in the land, that I will search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon. 
in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. Saul also and his men went to seek him, and they told David, Wherefore he came down into a rock, and abode in the wilderness of Maon. When Saul heard that, he pursued after David into the wilderness of Maon. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore they called that place Selahama-Likoth. And David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds at Engedi. Amen. We'll end there at the end of the chapter. And may the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening. I would like tonight to draw your attention to the final verse of this chapter, verse 29. It says, And David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds at Engedi. I'm thinking about this particular place that's called Engedi. And we entitled it this evening, An Oasis in the Wilderness. An oasis in the wilderness. As you can see from our Bible reading tonight, King Saul continues to pursue after David. And it's a relentless pursuit after David. If you look to the end of that 14th verse, it says, And Saul sought him every day, seeking after him every day, day after day. And the verse says, but God delivered him not into his hand. It was only for the preserving hand of the Lord upon David. But Saul's efforts were every day. Even though the Lord was preserving David, yet there were times whenever he was trapped. There's times whenever he was totally surrounded and there's times when he feared greatly for his life and he was in great peril. And as we read down this portion of the chapter, there's a time whenever uh, King Saul's on one side of the mountain with his men and David's on the other side of the mountain with his men. And Saul is able to encompass David and David thought there that He was caught. He was surrounded. And it was only an intervention from a messenger to King Saul with news that the Philistines had invaded that was calling Saul away. Uh, He had to engage with the Philistines and therefore he had to withdraw at this point from his pursuit of David. And so it was a divine intervention. And it was the Lord's preserving hand upon David. And it was at this point that David will go to this place in verse 29 that's called En Gedi. 
And it tells us that David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds at Engedi. And I looked into that particular region and that particular place and I learned that it's located there on the western shore of the Dead Sea. And it's a place that is inhabited only by wild goats. If you look on into chapter 24 of 1 Samuel, and you can see there at the end of verse 1 that David is still in the wilderness of En Gedi. And it says, Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And so this place of En Gedi was inhabited by wild goats. And David has to take his place there amongst the wild goats. And as I learned further about this place in Gedi, it brought me to think about a number of things that this place speaks to us of. And firstly, I want you to see tonight the fountain at En Gedi. And you might say, well, where can you see the fountain here? Well, that particular name, En Gedi, literally translated it means fountain of the kid. Fountain of the kid. En Gedi. And therefore, this place of the wild goats and also of the wild kids, it had a fountain there. And the place takes its name from the fountain that was there watering the wild goats and the kids. And it's called Fountain of the Kid. In this particular region, there would have been many fountains. This particular region, there would be different springs and waterfalls and so forth. But the problem with all of them was... Their region there of the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea had contaminated them all with salt. And therefore they were no real use by way of of having natural fresh water because of the deadness of that sea. But here at En Gedi, there is a fountain. And the fountain there at En Gedi is with natural fresh water. Water, And there's a supply there that was not only good for the wild goats and the kids, but it was also good for David. And David comes to this place in Gedi, the fountain of the kid, and there he dwells at this particular place. He dwells at the place that has this association with the fountain. There are other place names in the Bible that actually also mean fountain. En-Hezor. You may have heard of that place. That means fountain of the village. Endor, fountain of the house. En-Ganim, fountain of gardens. And so there are these different places and different locations that take their name from the fountain that's there. And then Gedi is one of those places. And our attention, therefore, is being brought to the fact that David has a fountain there. 
It's an oasis. An oasis in the middle of the wilderness. An oasis that's surrounded with the sea of deadness. And in the midst of all of that, there's this fountain that speaks of life and of refreshment. The fountain of water. And doesn't that remind us of the Lord Jesus Christ himself? The Lord is the fountain. The Lord is the fountain of life. And whenever you look over in your Bible to John chapter 7, there in the New Testament you find the Savior there and the context of John 7, it's the Feast of the Tabernacles. And the Feast of the Tabernacles was that time when uh, for one week they would spend time in little booths. And they would live in those little booths or tabernacles to remind them of their time and their history of the wilderness experience. And so for seven days they would be in these little booths and for seven days in a row there would be the sacrifice offered. And whenever the sacrifice was being offered each day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, water was taken from the Pool of Siloam and poured over the sacrifice. And as they poured out the water, there would have been singing. And so it was on the eighth day. Because in John 7 and verse 37, it says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, And so the eighth day, that final day, which was the solemn day and the great day of the feast, it was different from the previous seven. Oh, the sacrifice would still be offered and would still be in place, but there was no water poured upon it. And there was no singing at that particular day. And so there's a silence. And in the midst of that solemn silence, the Lord Jesus Christ makes a great declaration. And in John chapter 7 and the verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And so out of that silence, the Lord cried out. And he cried out to the thirsty, And he was presenting himself as the one who is the fountain of living water. And in John 7 and verse 38, he says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. And so we can see that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is that fountain the fountain of life, and the thirsty soul, the weary soul, can come to the Lord. They can abide by the fountain. And we can know that fresh supply from the Lord. The water that would speak to us there of life. The water of life from the Lord. And the strength that that would give. And here it says, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There's a never-ending supply. It will never abate. It will never run dry. 
rivers, rivers of living water. And so for the weary believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have our En Gedi. We can come to the place of the fountain and we can find that needed grace and we can find that strength. The one who feels the weariness of the wilderness and the weariness of the journey. Thank God we can come for that fresh draught of living water from our Lord and Savior. The hymn says, O Christ, he is that fountain. The deep, sweet well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted, more deep I'll drink above. There to an ocean fullness his mercy doth expand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. And so when we think about that place in Gedi, and it says David dwelt at En Gedi, it's the place of the fountain. And so we not only can see the fountain at this place, but when you look at our text of Scripture this evening, you can see the fortress at this place. It says, And David went up from thence and dwelt in the strongholds, the strongholds at En Gedi. And so there is, if you like, a fortress at this place. The term there, strongholds, there's not just a fountain, there's a fortress here. And of course, it's a reference to the many caves that there were. This whole region, it was permeated with caves. And David was one who you could see time and time again, he sought refuge and he sought shelter in the cave. Whenever you... Look there at the verse 25 of our Bible reading. It says, Saul also and his men went to seek him, and they told David, Wherefore he came down into a rock. And so it was the habit of David to go into these holes in the rock, deep holes and recesses in the rock. And he was able to find there a stronghold, able to find there a shelter. If you cast your eye again into chapter 24, and you can see from chapter 24 that David at the end of verse 2, it says, David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And so he's there in the rocks. And verse 3 says, and he came to the sheep colts by the way where was a cave. And so there, when David dwelt in the strongholds of En Gedi, it's a reference to the caves there. And if you were to look at chapter 24 in your own time, you would find that incident that we're all familiar with whenever King Saul, in pursuing after David, he goes into a cave. And he doesn't realize in the darkness of that cave, that's the very cave that David's in. And that's the cave where David and his men are, probably lined around the walls of that cave. And there's King Saul in it. And David's men are saying to him, the Lord has delivered Saul into your hand. You could take your sword and you could slay him. But David would not touch the Lord's anointed. 
He cut off a piece of Saul's skirt. And then whenever Saul went back out and traveled a distance, David made him aware of it. That happened here in the cave. And David's in the strongholds of Engedi, the place where he had safety, the place where he had refuge. And you can imagine him here when Saul is pursuing him relentlessly every day, the chapter said. But oh, he could find a place of shelter, the strongholds of Engedi. In First Chronicles chapter 11 and the verse 7, the same expression here that's translated strongholds is actually translated there a castle. And so these strongholds of Engedi actually proved to be a natural fortress for David. And how many times he would go into the fortress of the cave, how many times he would be found sheltering in those strongholds. And whenever you read through the Psalms of David, how many times he said of the Lord, He's my rock. And he's my fortress. David was drawing upon his experience in the cave. And as he proved the cave to be his stronghold, it was an illustration to him of the Lord. The Lord was his rock. The Lord was his shelter. The Lord was his strong tower. And surely that's what we need to learn this evening. We go through in life many difficulties and many troubles. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And therefore there are times when, the same as in the life of David, when we need to find that in Gedi and we need to find the stronghold and we need to find the shelter. Nahum chapter 1 and the verse 7. Says the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Thank God the Lord tonight is our stronghold, and we can come and hide ourselves in him. God is our refuge and strength, and a very present help in trouble. And so whenever you think about in Gedi tonight and David dwelling at this particular place, there's the fountain at this place. It's the fountain of the kid. And there's the fortress at this place because there are caves there, strongholds that he's able to find safety and shelter in. What an illustration there is of our Lord and Savior. The fountain the fortress. But I want you to see as well the fruitfulness of this place. If you care to turn over in your Bible to the Song of Solomon and to the chapter 1, there's a reference here in this chapter to Engedi. The Song of Solomon and the chapter 1 and the verse 14, and speaking here about her beloved, she says, My beloved is unto me as a cluster of campfire in the vineyards of Engedi. A cluster of camphor 
And whenever I looked up to see what the cluster of camphor was, it's a flower, it's a plant, the henna plant. And it brings forth beautiful, scented, fragrant flowers. And there would have been this beautiful fragrance and smell that was there at En Gedi because of the camphor. It speaks about the vineyards of En Gedi. So because of this fountain, this in the midst of the wilderness is like an oasis. It's a place where there is that lush vegetation. It's a fruitful place. What a place En Gedi must have been. No wonder David dwelt there at that place. He's in a wilderness, really. A wilderness that's barren. But here in the midst of a barren wilderness, there's En Gedi. And it's a place that's surrounded with deadness because of the Dead Sea. But in the midst of the deadness here is a place of life. An oasis in the wilderness. And it speaks to us of being a fruitful place. And for David, I believe it was a spiritually fruitful place. We know that David wrote a number of psalms while he was in a cave. If you were to look, for example, at Psalm 57, and in the very title of Psalm 57... It tells us that this is to the chief musician, Altasketh Mictum of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. It doesn't name the particular cave here, but it's clear that this was a psalm that was written when David was fleeing from Saul and he hid in the cave. And when you look at the verse 1 of that psalm, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. There, in the cave, he writes this psalm. And he shows through the psalm that his trust and his confidence was in the Lord. Therefore, spiritually, it was a fruitful place. In the Psalm 63, you can see from the title of that psalm, it's a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And that's this particular wilderness. It's referred to at times as the wilderness of Judah. It's even called the wilderness of En Gedi. David penned that psalm. In verse 1 he said, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. But there in that dry and thirsty land he would find in Gedi. And perhaps the best known of the Psalms that was written when David was in a cave is Psalm 142. And it's a mascal of David. And it says in the title, A Prayer, when he was in the cave. Most commentators would say it was the cave of Dullam 
that Psalm 142 is referring to, but nevertheless the illustration holds. He's in the cave and he's writing the psalm and he's praying this prayer. He's crying on to the Lord. Psalm 142 and the verse 1, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord, that I make my supplications. And if we liken it to the times when David was in the cave, in each of those psalms, it's an illustration to us that he remained in fellowship with the Lord. And through those times when Saul was pursuing him and he was in great fear and he was having to flee for his life and he has to seek refuge at En Gedi, he's still in communion with the Lord. He's praying from the cave. So there's a lesson to us. We're saying tonight the Lord is our En Gedi. And if we can abide and dwell in the Lord, even through times of testing and times of trouble, then we will remain in fellowship and communion with the Lord and we will be fruitful Christians. John 15, the Lord said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Though that we would know what it is to abide in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we would bring forth fruit to his glory, a spiritual oasis in the midst of the wilderness. May God bless his word to our hearts this evening. We'll sing a couple of verses of another hymn. And it's the hymn 572, a wonderful saviour is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful saviour to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. The first two verses of the hymn only and then we'll sing the other two at the end of the meeting.